It's always a, a joy to be able to lead in, in worship, too. Glad I don't do it every week. Uh, but when I do, I get to do it. It's like dessert. Uh, dessert for me. Um, but while Ben has a, a well-deserved break this morning, our music leader. Well, nothing will get someone scrambling in the house faster than the statement, the toilet's going to overflow. Right, the panicked race for the plunger, the shutting off of the water begins. Overflow is, is what happens when you fill something up so much that whatever you're filling it with goes over the brim or, or past the boundaries meant to contain it. Overflow is what happens when your child gets excited about using toilet paper by themselves. Overflow is what happens when you microwave oatmeal too long in a small bowl in the microwave. Overflow is what happens if you boil pasta and don't turn the temperature down from high. Overflow is what happens when milk somehow spills from the cup to the table and to the floor. Overflow is what happens when they fill your iced tea too much at Bojangles and then try to put the top on it. Overflow is what happens when it rains so much that the rivers and streams go over their banks. Overflow. What if you and I were made to overflow? What if like wonderfully crafted vessels made by God, we were made to be filled up with God's grace and love poured out and into us and then to have that grace and love spill out of us, overflow. What if overflow is what happens when people experience the grace and the peace and the power and the love of Jesus Christ? And what might spill out over the brims of our hearts and lives? Over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at three stories of encounters with Jesus in the Gospels that are all about this overflow. The hope is that we would realize and recognize what has been poured into our hearts and lives and would respond with an overflow of our love, adoration, generosity, thanksgiving. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us and transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Hear now God's word. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. After he entered the Pharisee's home, he took his place at the table. Meanwhile, a woman from the city, a sinner, discovered that Jesus was dining at the Pharisee's house. She brought perfumed oil in a vase made of alabaster. Standing behind him at his feet and crying, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured oil on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw what was happening, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. He would know that she is a sinner. 
Jesus replied, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, speak, he said. A certain lender had two debtors. One owed enough money to pay 500 people for a day's work. The other owed enough money for 50. When they couldn't pay, the lender forgave the debts of them both. Which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the largest debt canceled. Jesus said, you have judged correctly. Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? When I entered your home, you didn't give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with tears, and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has poured perfume oil on my feet. This is why I tell you that her many sins have been forgiven, so she has shown great love. The one who is forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other table guests began to say among themselves, who is this person that, that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. She didn't have a name. She didn't have peace or wholeness. In this story, she doesn't even have a voice. She doesn't speak at all. Except she preaches loudly with her actions. She was just known as that sinner woman. The woman, the respectable townspeople hid their children's eyes from when she walked by. The woman, the religious and, and pure folks stared at in disgust and made sure they avoided for fear of getting spiritual cooties. The woman who was a, a second-class citizen but did what she felt like she had to do to get bread on the table. Though in truth, her tears were her food most of the time. She wasn't proud of it. She was broken. But maybe she had heard of this man named Jesus, heard him speak about the kingdom of God and how in the kingdom the, the last are first and the first are last. Heard Jesus say maybe in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor for God's kingdom is yours. Blessed are you who hunger because you will be satisfied. Maybe she had seen from a distance or, or heard others talk about Jesus making people whole, giving them peace, healing them. Maybe the rumors were true that this man from Nazareth welcomed sinners and, and outcasts and ate with them. We don't know. But, but this woman decides to, to brave the streets and the stairs to go and see Jesus. She clearly wants to, to honor Him in some way because she brings her alabaster jar of perfumed oil with her. Now Jesus had been invited to eat at the, at the home of a, of, the, of a Pharisee, you know, the super religious experts in the law. He took His place at the table, reclined on the floor with His feet to the side, as people would eat in those days. 
Also in those days, with how common shared meals were, it would not have been surprising to have people wander in off of the street hoping for scraps or, or leftovers from the table. So in comes this woman and she sees Jesus. She stands behind Him at His feet and begins to cry. Tears of sorrow, tears of joy, perhaps some of both, they, they stream onto Jesus' feet, so she begins to, to wash them. She lets down her hair, something scandalous for a woman to do in those days, and begins to wash Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears. And then this extravagant display of love and adoration continues as she opens her jar of oil and pours it out all over Jesus' feet. All of the stairs don't matter. Jesus has not sent her away nor recoiled in, in horror. Simon, on the other hand, is, is horrified at this display, this scandalous outpouring of love and devotion from the sinner woman who everyone knows is a sinner. And she's touching Jesus. If Jesus really was a prophet, he says to himself, he would know that this woman is a sinner and now he's unclean. Plus, this is just not what proper, respectable religious people do. Up until this point, nobody said anything out loud. But now Jesus does because it has become a preaching moment. And he tells a parable for Simon about two people who had debts canceled by a lender and the one with the larger debt loving the lender more because of having the larger debt canceled. The connection between this present moment comes fairly apparent. The woman is the one with the greater debt canceled. And then Jesus makes the connection very clear. He, he looks at the woman, not a stare of, of judgment, but a look of love, forgiveness, peace, and he affirms her. Simon, when I got here, you, you didn't give me water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and, and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she's poured out oil on my feet. You see, all of those actions were traditional first century basic hospitality customs to honor a guest. This woman isn't even the host and, and, and she's gone above and beyond with her expressions of love and adoration for Jesus. It's extravagant. Almost like an outpouring and overflow. And that's the point. Jesus says, I tell you that her many sins have been forgiven. Hence, therefore, so she has shown great love. The one who is forgiven little loves little. In other words, before she touched Jesus, apparently somehow he had already touched her with divine love and forgiveness. It had been poured into her heart and all oh, the things that flooded her soul. Her, her embodied expressions of love and adoration for Jesus were an overflow of the forgiveness and love that she had received from Jesus. Overflow 
is what is happening when the tears start to fall. Not tears for food this time, but tears of unbridled love and thanksgiving. Overflow is what's happening when she kneels and lets her hair down to wash Jesus' feet. Overflow is what is happening when she pours, not sprinkles, pours out her expensive oil on his feet. Friends, when we experience God's love and forgiveness and grace, how can we not overflow with love and adoration like this woman? When God has redeemed us and as God saves us each and every day from our sin and from ourselves, as God makes us whole, gives us peace and hope, or are we sometimes like Simon? Probably all got a little bit of Simon in us. Perhaps we don't realize just how desperately we need God's great forgiveness. And so our expressions of love and devotion for Jesus are but a trickle. If we don't recognize and receive the pouring out of God's love and forgiveness into our hearts and lives, there's not much to overflow, is there? Our response will be mediocre at best. We become moderate lovers of Jesus. You know, we, we clean up before worship, hide our brokenness, behave nice and proper, and, and confine our devotion to, you know, a few hours a month. We don't want people to think we're strange after all. Simon is so concerned with, that this sinner woman is touching Jesus, he doesn't realize Jesus had already touched her with forgiveness. Because he doesn't recognize his own need for forgiveness and therefore doesn't overflow with love and devotion and thanksgiving toward Jesus. He instead feels judgment toward her and toward Jesus. If we're not careful, we can, become, we can be so preoccupied with who is coming to Jesus, who Jesus is willing to extend forgiveness towards that we stop ourselves up from overflowing. If we spent as much time and energy embodying our joyful response of love to the extravagant gift of forgiveness we have received in Jesus Christ, as we do trying to figure out who God includes and who is worthy of God's love, wow, this land would be flooded. You know, it hit me this week as I was reading this story how much disdain I had for Simon. He just seems so self-righteous and judgmental and, and arrogant. When Jesus tells him the parable implicating Simon as the debtor who showed little love because he experienced little forgiveness, I found myself thinking, booyah, get him, Jesus. I was silently cheering until I realized that I had just fallen into the same trap as Simon. I haven't been as gracious and grateful as the woman was. I, I haven't overflowed with love and, and devotion for Jesus pouring out his forgiveness on me. Instead of falling on my knees in awe and, and love, instead of marveling and praising God for God's mercy in my life every single day, instead of overflowing with love because of how Jesus had touched me with divine love and mercy 
I'd been judging Simon and displaying the same self-righteousness. I judged Simon the same way he judged. And that's the point, isn't it? The truth is, when we truly know ourselves to be forgiven and loved extravagantly by Jesus, when Jesus pours out grace on our lives to make us whole like he did with that woman, when we overflow with love and devotion in response, pouring out our lives before Jesus just like the woman poured out oil, we don't have time for judgment anymore. We don't have time for self-righteousness. We don't have time for half-heartedness just adoration and thanksgiving and unmoderated love. We shower love on Jesus because he pours forgiveness and grace on us. You know what? The best, the best that we could hope for is as a church is a church full of people just like this woman. A church full of people washing Jesus' feet with their tears of joy and gratitude. Anointing Jesus' feet with their deeds of love. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. With their generosity, with their sincere worship, where, where everything that we do is done with holy and loving abandon. Because people who know that they have been forgiven much overflow with love and adoration to God with their bodies, with their lives in extravagant ways. If our lives have been changed by an experience of God's grace, we can never get over the fact that we have been forgiven. God's love experiencing that forgiveness starts to overflow in our lives. And so overflow is what is happening when we give generously of our time and our treasure to God's kingdom and make a commitment to God's church. Overflow is what's happening when we show up for Jesus and for others. Overflow is what is happening when we sing praises to God from the depths of our hearts. Overflow is what is happening when we extend forgiveness to others. Overflow is what is happening when we pour out our souls in prayer. Overflow is what is happening when we actually say out loud to Jesus or others, thank you. Overflow is what is happening when we do the work of justice in our communities so that people like the woman in the scripture have a chance to flourish and live whole lives. Overflow is what is happening when we just can't help but invite others to church to tell others about what Jesus is up to. Overflow. Because nothing gets people moving like hearing something is going to overflow. And with God's forgiveness poured into our lives, friends, it's bound to happen with us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.